Why did Jesus warn us to be careful not to do your good deeds for others to see? What does the term give in secret mean? What does babbling in your prayers actually mean? And how does this make us hypocrites? Chris and Murdoch try to tackle these questions and more on this episode of Your Church Friends. All right, welcome to Your Church Friends podcast. I am Chris. And I'm Murdoch. And we are still rolling through the Sermon on the Mount. We're in chapter six now. Yeah, we finally finished chapter five. Yeah. That took about, I think, I want to say at the top of my head, five episodes. Something like that, but they were good. There's yeah. a lot in that, so, and we still have chapter seven after this one. Yeah. Which I'm excited for, you know, it's, there's so much good stuff and it covers so much ground and yeah, I'm excited. I like where, where, uh, where it all started off with, where Jesus is coming on the Sermon on the Mount and he's starting here with this term blessed, right? And the first thing he says to everybody is blessed and everyone's all like, oh yeah, I understand this term and concept, happy, happy am I. And then Jesus changes it to blessed are the poor, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the peacemakers. So you're coming under this blessedness and happy because I can be happy no matter what's going on in my life as long as I'm doing what God wants me to do in his will. And then it goes into the salt and light. And I'm kind of fumbling through some of this, but conceptually it all flows together, right? Happy are you if, if you're poor and meek and mourn and all that other stuff. You can find happiness and joy in me through all that. Yeah, it's like it's not dependent on your status in the yeah. world. It's when you're following Christ and then you have this. He's kind of setting it apart. Like, hey, you probably think about all of these types of people as having the highest status. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to tell you who's really blessed. Yes. Those people who you might be looking down on. But when you see what's on the inside of them, these are the type of people who are blessed. Yes. And that's why you're on the show with me to clarify my ramblings. (laughs) (laughs) And vice versa. Right. (laughs) And then it goes into like, then this is who you need to be. The salt and light. And you need to make sure you're preserving the world. And, and reflecting me and being a, a light in the sky of darkness, basically. Um, and then we got into why all he... the laws, right? Yeah, the laws, why he came to fulfill and, and, and all that. And then it was now our character. Don't be an angry person. Don't let anger rule your life. Don't let lust rule your life. Or even don't just have external showings that you're doing this thing, but look at who you are on the inside right. because it's that root that gets into your heart. Like, let's unroot that. And, and there's so many roots he starts unpacking there, right? Anger, lust. We had a good episode on lust that came out a few weeks ago. And then what we say and what we do, make sure we follow through with it, whether it's our marriage or our relationship with God. Make sure you're following through with what you say and what you do. Yes, be yes, and your no, be no. Right. And we ended up with uh, the last thing we talked about is loving your enemy, not going after revenge. And it's all these things that Jesus is working on, character, character, person, person. Don't go out and seek revenge. Love your enemy. If someone smacks you on the other side or someone insults you or comes after you as a person, take it. Let it just be. And don't go out and try to destroy someone else's reputation because someone tried to destroy yours. Love them because that's what I'm calling you to do. They are now setting themselves up as your enemy. I'm telling you, if they're setting themselves up as your enemy, love them. Bless them. Pray for them. Exactly. That's where I was going with it. How do you love them? You pray for them. And I like that we brought that up in the last podcast. When we pray for someone, we release that toxin that's inside of us, that poison of anger, hate. Yeah, and getting in chapter six, I think that it's interesting going through all that, right? Because getting into like, hey, bless you, these people. And then like, let's really get into working out and unrooting yourself is kind of like, cool, this is this religious thing that I'm getting into, right? I'm purifying myself. I'm getting to the point. And now we get into chapter six and he's like, okay, 
now that you're working on your own self and doing this, watch out and don't be a hypocrite. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because that's kind of the thing, right? You see, like, going from, oh, man, I'm not living this light, this life in the darkness anymore. I'm coming in, I'm working on myself. And then it's like, oh, I'm getting puffed up now. And we can start putting on a show. So we're doing Matthew 6, uh, what is it, 1 through 8, right? Yeah. So be careful not to perform your righteous acts before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. Truly, I tell you, they already have their full reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. Truly, I tell you, they already have their full reward. But when you pray, go into your inner room, shut your door and pray to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not babble on like pagans. For they think that by their many words they will be heard. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Be careful. Like, that's where Jesus starts off with everything. Like, be careful. And he's getting into this idea of, like, watch out on what you do. You're Be careful on what can become that. I think you said puffed up, right? Mm -hmm. You can be, be become puffed up. And he's warning us that, like, at some point... You can just start doing stuff and, and serving and helping other people and it could come off as good causes and motives and, and you're doing it for the right reasons, but you start doing it so much that pride has now seeped into it that it becomes almost like a showy thing. Well, it's a pride thing and you bring that up and it's kind of like he says right here, right? You're doing it so that men can see you and you get your full reward. And I think, and I don't know your opinion on it, but it's kind of like, I've done this before. I've done something good so that other people can see me because there is like that reward to it. Mm -hmm. Like to me, I think so. Like I've felt something within myself and I think that you touched on it, is the pride. Like, oh, I feel good about myself and I feel better that other people see me as that. And I think that there is a reward there. But Jesus is saying, be careful because if that's all the reward you're going for, you're going to get it and you are completely missing out on the reward that the father wants to give you. Yeah, I like the NLT uh, phrases it, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others for you will lose your reward from your father in heaven. And it's don't do these things with the wrong intentions and the motives. Don't do it for other people to see or publicly. And you're right. I've done things where, yeah, it was for other people to see. It was for the show. And instantly God is saying like, you lose your reward. I remember there was this guy who lived well, he didn't live, he was homeless, but he stayed at by this hamburger place on our way home from work. And we um, we saw him, we, we actually gave him a name because we seen him there all the time, uh, but we didn't know who he was. And we just drove by and kept driving by. And one day I was like, Justine, let's go to the hamburger place, get him some food and then take it to him. Mm -hmm. So we did that. We got, got a hamburgers and, and went and gave it to him and said, here you go. And I was like, man, that's so cool. And we drove and I was like, I don't want to tell anybody about this. Well, good job. You just did. Well, I've already ruined that because like within a few weeks later, I'm preaching and uh, at our church and I share the story. And it's almost kind of this idea of like, why did I share that story? I knew why I wanted to help this person to begin with, right? It was so that I can help him because they, I want to help feed a person who looked like they needed some food or help someone in need. But 
when I got up on that stage where I was in front of everybody, why did I share the story that I didn't want to share because of the admiration, because of the way people would look at you when you share, oh, I've done this. And it was from a pride standpoint, you know, and just kind of reiterating or following what you were saying for my own life. Like, yeah, I've been there and I've done that myself too. And I think that it kind of falls into what today people talk about, like virtue signaling, like, oh, you're going to get up and like, Mm -hmm. you're giving everyone the signal about how virtuous you are and like moral grandstanding. And you're going to get up and like, you know, talk about all that stuff. And really it's drawing attention to you and, you know, you're getting self, like it's a self, self aggrandizement that, you know, you're wanting, it's not bringing glory to God. And in a secret situation, like Jesus saying here, like, hey, when it's just between you and that person, or even just like, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Like, nobody's praising you for that. Like, who is that person praising that you just helped? Like, you know, sorry, I might have phrased that weird. The person that you just helped, (laughs) that person is probably thanking God. Like, oh man, I was in need. God, like, you know, God gets the glory there. It's not bringing it to our own self. And I think that's the important part where Jesus is telling us and the giving to the needy and, and helping people. It's that when you're doing these things, that you're making sure that you're doing it with the right heart and the right intention behind it. Um, we're getting into the idea now of kind of like motives of why I'm doing things. If I'm doing it for admiration or for people to look at me and think I'm a good person, I've instantly done it for the wrong reason. But it's my motive in my heart. Why am I doing this? Why am I going out to do this and help someone out? And I I think it has to be in a place where I'm trying to do this because I want to do it. Because Jesus, it it goes beyond kind of what we talked about. Obedience goes beyond I'm doing something because I have to. And I'm doing something because it's just overflowing out of me. The love of Christ overflows out of me because it's so much in me that now I'm going out and doing it and helping people. And I don't have to go and tell everyone what I've done. I don't have to make a show or or parade. I, I love that. Don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing the trumpets in the synagogue. Like, I'm assuming this is a real thing where they were like, and then someone would walk up and be like, I just gave to somebody who needed. (laughs) Like, what is that? Why are we doing that? But how much, we don't uh, literally blow a trumpet, but we can, what's the term? Toot our own horn? Yeah. And give to, and say like, look at what I've done, but I'm saying this while you think I'm doing it because of, uh, I'm a godly person, but I'm only telling you what I'm doing because my desire is to want you to look up to me and think I'm a good person. I think that in fairness, like it doesn't disallow us from sharing experiences and things that have happened. I think that as teachers, you were talking about, you know, you got up on the stage and you were preaching and you were sharing. It's like, it's good encouragement. It's good to draw attention to different things. I think that it's not like, hey, every single nonprofit that exists because they're putting out marketing as far as like, hey, help us do this. Look at what we're doing with the money. Like there's a level of transparency that's there that we are showing what is happening. But it, like you're saying, it's the intention of your heart and what are you doing it for and who's getting the glory out of it? And, you know, are you coming out of a humility towards like, hey, you know what? I'm doing this for God or, you know, whatever the thing is or out of a teaching moment that is not anything to point towards you. It's even within the way that you present the story. It's like, hey, you know what? I'm, I was struggling. I saw this guy so many, so many times and then God hit me with conviction and then I followed through. So it's like, don't wait so many, so many times, <laughs> you know, hear this story and be convicted. Like, let's move better in this thing. So yeah, it's all about how it's presented. Are you coming up tooting your own horn, blowing the trumpet and doing versus just trying to meet needs? And encourage other people to meet needs. So I think, you know, there's an allowance there. I think some people can kind of take some things like this and be like, 
well, no, we shouldn't give to these people because they're over here just doing exactly what Jesus said not to do. They're telling right. you everything that they're doing. He's like, guy, you're missing the point. <laughs> it's the, we don't have to beat ourselves up or not share because when we share, we do encourage and help other people. We give them practical ways to how to do things, but it is the, that, um, making a big deal about it, right? The, I'm calling so much attention to it because I want the attention. And in it, uh, Jesus says, you have gotten your reward because you've gotten the glory, right? When I do this, I've gotten my glory. I've gotten my reward. I've, I've fulfilled what I've wanted, that attention seeking. Uh, people are looking at me. People think I'm a good person. People think this and that. I've gotten that reward from that. And where he's telling us, don't do this because your reward is in heaven. Like that's where you want your reward. It's really the idea for me when I think about it of not not necessarily keeping it the secret like you said, but why I'm doing it, the motive, it's so that God gets the glory out of it. And when God gets the glory out of it, then that's my reward. That's my eternal reward. Because if people are looking at me and seeing me, that's all they're going to see. And then I'm pedestaled on a level where I don't belong. But if people are seeing my actions and seeing God and he gets the glory of it, well, God's pedestaled and I'm just the vessel leading to that pedestal of who he is right i think that in that love comes in because we're told in scripture that hey the purpose of all of this instruction is love and that when we are operating in love we're operating in the purpose for which we were created that we were created into new creatures and that when we're operating in love it does bring glory to god so when you're looking at somebody who needs help and you are moved by love to help that person, it is about that person and about using whatever it is that God has blessed you with, and maybe even it comes at a sacrifice to you, but that you are giving out of love, and it's about them, and it's about God, and about your ability to love, you know, and all of that coming in, and you're not looking about like, oh man, where can I get a bigger benefit? Like, it's at that moment that you experience where scripture says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And when you just give and it's a loving thing and God just fills you all up in your spirit and you just feel like, man, this is what life is. You're not concerned about going and telling other people so that you can have them try and fill you up. So I think that love and definitely comes in there. That's a, probably the best point to make out of all of this is that it, it's got to be from love. And I think that's where Jesus is kind of checking a lot of our actions when it comes to the Sermon on the Mount. It's where, what are we doing things? Why are we doing things? And I find it interesting that after he's saying here, love your enemies, he flows into the like almost, hey, after you've got done learning all this, at some point you can just kind of go on autopilot and then almost the, like the hypocrisy could kind of slide oh. into you. You know, like you've, you're doing and I'm serving and I'm doing and I'm doing to where like all of a sudden I've slid into the hypocrisy, religious hypocrisy. I didn't purposely also go into it because there's two ways you could do it. Like you could purposely just want the intention, Mm -hmm. but then I could accidentally just slide myself into it because I get so puffed up and, and go about like, well, I've done this in ministry. I've done that in ministry. I help these people. And you're not really intentionally doing it out of wanting the attention. It's more of the Look at how good I've become. Look at how great I've become. And I think that there, right, when it's look when look at how good I'm great and all of the stuff and how holy and pious and all that stuff, right? Hypocrite. I know that you know this. And I'm not sure if we brought this up, but it's the thing about putting on a mask. Yeah. And like being a play actor. Like you're putting on a mask about somebody that you're not. You know, you're mm-hmm. playing a different role. You're trying to show something externally that doesn't match what's on the inside. 
and is like, oh, you're trying to show everybody how good you are and all of that stuff. But Jesus is saying, like, hypocrite. Because, like, what's really going on on the inside that you need to justify your life before God, before other people? And I think that ego and pride can take a role in that, like you said. But I also feel like kind of a lack of identity or feeling bad about your own self or feeling guilty about different things. Like, I know that I've been at that spot before to where I know that I'm not living right. And rather than just like face God and repent or like do the right thing, if other, if I can make other people think that I'm living right, it's almost like it's putting on the mask. I'm over here listening to you, but I, I had something that in my notes that exactly said what you were saying. Oh, I thought it was just boring and you were no. looking away. <laughs> no. I was like, but I'm I, here I, reading a book instead of listening, <laughs> like not in the conversation. But I've tried to like get it off of the, uh, the, the music stand that I put it on, but it's so loud. The, the paper when you move it, but so I'm just going to hold my notes from now on, but it, it said a hypocrite is not a person who falls short of his high ideas or occasionally sins because all of us experience these failures. A hypocrite deliberately uses religion to cover up his sin and promote his own gain. Uh, and I, when you were saying that, that kind of struck me. Uh, I remember that I had that typed down in my notes that when we define like what the mask is and people wearing the mask and everything like that, we're covering up. And what when what Jesus is saying here is like as a hypocrite, you use all of this to cover up your sins. You use your good that you're doing to cover up your sins. It's not saying that you're a hypocrite because like you slipped up and sinned. Like that's not the hypocrisy God's talking or Jesus is talking about here. It's that you use what you're doing to cover how bad and how far your relationship from God is. Yeah, dude, it's kind of like, hey, if I can convince you, I can almost convince myself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many things like in that as far as internal motivations. Mm -hmm. And I think that as, again, he's saying, be careful. Yeah. Because when it comes to this thing of hypocrisy, that guarding of our inner self and not being vulnerable, not being transparent, not telling on ourselves, you know, and like doing this whole thing and, not being honest before men and before God. Yeah. And the the safeguard that he gives here is, hey, you know what? Just do it in secret and nobody needs to know. Like you never get to the point of putting the mask on. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's uh, basically taking that tool out of your toolbox. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So let's uh, go to our first commercial. I think we have like a, a telethon or something that where people are looking to help support an organization. Anyways, let's go to that and then pick up on the hypocrisy side of things when we come back. Sounds good. Ladies and gentlemen, here are your hosts, Hippa and Crit. Thank you. Thank you all. Crit, why don't you tell the folks a little bit about our organization and who we will be helping? You got it, Hippa. Well, tonight we've pulled the trumpets out for the Help Us Look Good as we give to the needy organization. With so many people needing out there, we aim to do whatever we can to help and make it no secret when we do so. I mean, what a great cause there, right? You, the people at home, give and we are the ones that look good on your behalf. That's right. And if you've heard enough and want to give immediately... You can call 1-800-555-GIVE, that's G-I-V-E. We have several operators standing by to help answer your call. For those of you who prefer to send your donation electronically, Venmo us at HIPAA and CRIT looks good 5 That's HIPAA ampersand CRIT looks good 5 Maybe you're still not convinced giving a donation is the right move for you. Let us give you a little more information, CRIT. 
We know who the donations will help, but what will these fine folks' money do to help the needy? Well, HIPAA, with their donations, we're able to get together food supplies, clothing, and other necessities. We then package that all up together with a card that says, From Hippocrit and Friends, may God bless you. That is so awesome of us. So, what are you waiting for? Get that left hand to tell the right hand to pick up that phone and call now to donate. Don't tempt us, folks. We'll keep babbling on and on and on all night. Our goal is to get that reward in full tonight. So please pick up that phone and give because when you do, we look good. to listen to. All the ones I listen to now are pretty boring. There's this new podcast out called Your Church Friends. It's pretty interesting and sometimes funny. I think I heard about that podcast from someone else who said it was good. I think I'm going to check it out. You should and if you like the podcast, you can also get their website yourchurchfriends.rocks It has all their old episodes on their Plus, a link to their shop where you can buy their cool t-shirts for a reasonable price. Wait, are these the same guys who do the 5 Minutes with Your Church Friends videos on YouTube? Yes. Oh good, I'm a subscriber to the channel and already really enjoy those videos. I always make sure to like them, leave a comment, and share them with my friends. Me too. Are you also part of their social media accounts, like the Facebook group page? No, but I see the website has a link to that as well. Do you know why it's yourchurchfriends.rocks? Yeah, it's because they rocks. All right, we're back, and that was a, a telethon. Please do not give to that organization at all. I was just going to say, it sounded like those guys need some money. <laughs> they need something. If anybody had a trumpet, it would be them. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really liked what we were getting into, this idea of uh, what we're, like the hypocrite and wearing the mask, and we, we use our sins to kind of cover, or we use, sorry, not our sins, we use our uh, righteous, actions. righteous actions to cover up our sin. And I think that we, we kind of do that a lot. And, and Jesus is saying, like, beware of that. And it's almost like a caution. We, we kind of keep hitting this, like, this note of, like, be careful that you don't let your righteous actions lead to that. Exactly. And be careful about being a hypocrite. And yeah. I think that in 2020 America and probably around the world, everyone who looks at the church or not, everyone, you know, you know overgeneralizing, but people have a big problem with Christian hypocrites. Like, that's a big reason why people don't want to turn to God, or that's their excuse for not coming into the church and doing this stuff, is because of all of those Christian hypocrites. And Jesus, I mean, this is a Sermon on the Mount. This is like his first public thing, and he's saying, be careful, don't do the hypocrite thing. Gandhi says, I like your Christ, I don't like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Yeah, and, exactly. And that's kind of going Ouch. back to your point of... Uh, how we're viewed, the church is already viewed, or Christians in general, as being hypocrites. But it's this warning, don't don't go there. Don't let your actions take you there. Or just don't be that type of person. Um, don't put on the mask. I guess it's be real. Uh, because when I feel like I'm real as a person, I can come up here and tell people, like, I struggle with this, I struggle with that. But God's still working, He's still doing. But I used to struggle with this, so this is the encouraging side of it. And now I'm I'm better because I know God's working. I also know I'm not perfect and I'm not the best person. So that allows me to understand that, you know, 
my flaws are there. And I think if more people kind of took that road or road or route that they w- it would be a lot easier for them and the church would be viewed differently because they would see we're all just flawed people. The church isn't isn't a place of perfect people. It's a, it's a place where we all understand that we need Christ. And the only way my salvation, my eternity is secure is my dependence on him, not on my perfection. Yeah, but I think that that's kind of our thing is that as far as being real as a person and like, yeah, I haven't been perfect and admitting those struggles because I feel like that's where people have a, a, a bigger problem as far as hypocrisy is like if you stand so hard on this thing and you're saying this is what it is and then you get found out that you're doing something different, you know, people respond differently to that than mm-hmm. if you're going, hey, you know, what? I've struggled along the way. I've gotten a lot better. There's a big hope in this thing that you can go from A to B. But then I also feel like what Jesus is setting up and how you're saying like it's our obedience to him and what sees us through is that if we're following along everything that's in the Sermon on the Mount, is like unrooting those problems in our heart, taking these precautions and doing that thing, we will be the type of people that won't put on the mask. You know, when we see somebody that's in need, we will give to them without thinking. We won't need to parade it in front of people. You know, and that comes from our lives changing out of an obedience to Christ. You know, so I feel like it's both. It's be open and honest about, hey, you know what? I'm fallible. I can make mistakes. You know, you don't need to hold me to a perfect standard. But yet my life has changed and I am doing this thing, you know? Yeah, exactly. That because of my relationship with God, because of his love and what he's done for me, then I'm doing those things that he's commanded me to do. And I'm not doing them for any intention other than I want to show other people. You said in the first half, I want to show other people love. And it's just coming out of me. But it doesn't mean that in it, like I'm being that also perfect person who's not making any mistakes or cutting people off on the freeway. It's just saying that I'm, I'm doing everything that I can because I'm trying to help people and God is flowing out of me to help others. All of our audience, I mean, we're this many episodes in and you keep bringing up you in the driving. <laughs> I just want you to know you probably have a lot of people who are praying for you and they can't wait for the breakthrough with your drive. <laughs> Actually, it's gotten better, but I'm not going anywhere as much because of being uh, stuck in the house. But uh, I think a lot of what Jesus is getting here, too, is uh, when I looked at this portion of scripture, because I think there's a clear different different definition of like, hypocrisy in the church of like someone who's just blatantly living two separate lives and they don't care. They're coming to church on Sunday morning and it's just their checklist thing here. And then living a life totally different outside in the world. Like church is just kind of a thing they do. or yeah, People find to. out like, oh, what, you're a Christian? Yes, the, that it shocks them more because of the warning that comes in. I, I really think this is more of a thing to us as Christians who are following God and doing all these things that if we get stuck in doing things out of duty or routine, that what does he tell the church in Revelations? Um, you have lo- you do all these great things. You're doing this and you're doing that and you're helping other people, but you've lost your first love. So your heart isn't there anymore and it. your motives aren't there anymore. And I think that that's why there's this warning in it. It's not like that person who's just blatantly double standards living, but he's saying your motives in it are wrong. That's why he goes in through like the Pharisees and how they pray, like they babble on and on and on. And, and they use so many words because they want people to see them and they want people to see what they're doing. They started it. And I think you brought this up at the beginning when we were talking about the Pharisees. They all started at a good spot. Yeah, they but, were the ones that were desiring to follow the law and say, hey, let's get back to this thing. Let's really follow it. And they took it, all that, that good spot, and made it this because it became so much obligation and duty and not love that it became a thing of more of, look at me. See, when you bring up the thing of like, 
you've lost your first love. I feel like where Jesus started, he said, hey, you know what? Giving to those that are in need because we're called to love others. You know, that's part of the great command. But the one that's greater than that is to love God. Mm -hmm. So he's kind of attacking both of these in a reverse. They're saying, hey, when you love others, don't make it this big parade for other people to see because it's not about loving the person. But then it gets into this thing about praying to God. And when you come to pray, do it out of a love to him and out of a connection with him. And it's such a crazy thing to think that like, oh, you're going to pray to God and you're asking him, you know, you're asking him, your will be done. Exchange my will for yours. I have a request here that I know, you know, I'm coming and I'm asking for your help on it. Whatever, you know, the prayers, I'm interceding for somebody else. And like to take that relationship and rather than actually be about the love and the connection there, you're like, I'm going to take this thing and parade it before other people so that they think good about me. Like I'm going to leverage other people's views about me and God so that they think good about me. It's like, then what about your prayer? <laughs> right. I love that you brought that up. I really do. In my preparation for us recording today, I listened to a sermon by Mark Clark. And basically he said the same thing you just said, but uh, it was the concept of when he says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then uh, your father who sees what you have done in secret will reward you. But he locked in on this concept of your father who's unseen. And God does so much for us on a daily basis that we don't even know. Like when you woke up, God wasn't like, hey, woke you up. You're still alive. That's all me, dude. You know, like he doesn't do that. He's unseen. He's moving in our lives in the unseen realm and the unseen things. And he's taking care of us and providing for us in our needs in the unseen. And then what he's saying is that we, what Mark Clark said when he, the way he kind of flipped it was like how you did was do that for other people. Work in the unseen, help mm, them. Don't like take the credit because our God isn't a God who takes credit. Even Jesus, when he came down here, he didn't come in like full majesty. I am God as human. He came in the most humblest ways, born in a manger. And his whole life was based off of humility. It wasn't based off of trumpet blowing, arrogance, or any of that stuff that we can get so captured in. And, and so that was kind of like the flip, like you were saying that love God. And when you love God, you see who he is. Then we love others. It was just so cool to me when he said that. And I'm glad you right. brought that up. Yeah. Side note, it's kind of thinking about, well, he's not sitting there going, hey, I woke you up. You're welcome. But I kind of wonder how much should be on us that when we wake up, we remember that we are created beings and that we have a father and that we should take that and thank him. Right. He's not flattening in our face, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be grateful and, you know, still give him the praise where praise is due. And hopefully I don't say anything in this next part that you would have to clip this and edit it out. <laughs> but when he's talking about go into the bedroom and do in secret and the relationship and the intimacy that comes from like, hey, this is just between you and God. I was like, when you think about a relationship where you go into the bedroom in secret into the unseen, it's just like, that's not something that you take and you flaunt on the streets before people. Right. Like me and my wife, our bedroom, I don't need to take that into anywhere else to try and flaunt that, to try and make anybody think that me and my wife's relationship is anything different than what it is. That is my time with her. And it's like, again, what are you doing with your relationship with God that you're taking this thing that should be just between you and him, the intimacy that you're coming and bearing your heart and making your requests and hearing from him and connecting in the spirit and you're flaunting that before men. It's like, whoa, guy, <laughs> your priorities and what you think are important and everything else, like that's way off base. 
It, it really, I like that too. That's such, I was really concerned I might have to edit something out, but you kept it good. Um, in the bedroom, we lay there, we watch TikTok, watch and like, TikTok that's my time with her. The intimate time. But it is that, the same thing that, yeah, you don't flaunt that. You don't want to put that in other people's faces. And it's the same thing with what I'm doing. Oh yeah, I just spent 10 hours praying to God and I feel really great about it. Why would you even have the need to say that? And I think that's why with everything, all of this is going into giving to others your prayer life. Why would you have the need to even say that? If it's just your actions, if you're just, if it's such an overflow and you do it, why have the need to say it? But you brought up like telling somebody else that you prayed for a long time. This is even talking about just actually praying before people. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine the types of things that people would say to put up a show. And again, it's all about attention for yourself. Wow. Look at how they're praying to God for the homeless people. Wow, look at how they're praying for the lepers, that God would heal the lepers. Oh, wow, look at how they're praying for God, that he would just restore Israel out of this oppressive Roman rule. And just, wow, look at their faith and look at all the stuff. And it's like literally saying all of those things only for other people. You know, it's not yeah. even just saying, like, I pray for a long time. It's like, and let me show you the types of things I pray for because, man, I'm a good guy. Because obviously no one's going to care about a prayer where you're just like, yeah. like <laughs> I have a, the, I do not like praying in large settings. It's so hard because I just, it's going to go back to your point you just made. I struggle so much because my prayer with God when I'm just praying is like, hey God, uh, I really need help with this. It's not like fancy words. It's not like this elaborate type thing of, uh, of some people when you've heard them praying, you're like, man, that's a prayer that. They've got to have a close relationship with God to be they able to speak pray. They speak old English yeah. when they pray. We went to a, a wedding one time, me and Justine, and the father went up to pray for the food. And we knew this person. They were our neighbor and talked to him. Just normal person. When he got up to pray, it was, Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, who is in heaven. And blah, blah, blah. and it was like, where did this come from? But that's not how people talk. That's not real. What is this? But it's always made, when I hear people pray and it's like, dang, you pray really well. It's always made me feel more self-conscious about how I pray. Until recently, I've become more comfortable just saying, I'm just going to talk about, like if someone asked me to pray for them, I'm just going to pray for what they've said. And I don't need to go into fancy terms. If I forget that while you're traveling somewhere to pray for a hedge of protection for you, then, you know, oh man, I'm really sorry. I could just say, you know, God, take care of them while they're on the road. Right. And that's what it's saying here. Like, hey, you don't need to like babble on like mm -hmm. the pagans thinking that it's all those extra words. God already knows what you need. You know, yeah. so it's just like you're allowed to, hey, God, protect them. Like, it's not a magical incantation that if you don't use that thing of hedge of protection, it's like, okay, all those people are praying that. Find me that verse in the Bible. Like, if we're all just repeating these words. It's like our main concern is out of the love that we're asking. And I think that the same thing here, kind of going back to the, hey, it's it's okay to tell other people about your giving to try and encourage and, you know, do the whole thing and is it teaching and just all that or even let people know that there's a need. There are people that I go to and it's not because like, oh, you know how to pray in King's James English and like you sound <laughs> like a poetic, like medieval scholar. I like it's, that. You know, but it's more just like I go to you because you do pray from that real stance and however yeah. it is sometimes it is like more theological and other times it's just like you know basic talk but there are people that i go to that i do pray with and it i believe that god answers prayer and that he hears prayer and that where we gather we can pray together and that there's a unity in spirit and you know that that's going on and i leave blessed mm -hmm. and it's not a thing of like oh, i'm coming to you to puff you up it's like i need prayer can you pray with me i'm at a loss for words like let's pray together and again i don't think that like 
praying with other people or around other people, it's fine. Let's let's pray on a Sunday morning and you know uh, amidst the whole crowd. But again, the hypocrisy. The like, do you want to get up on stage to pray before people mm. so that people will see you as that? You know, or, or do you want to be known as the prayer warrior because of what people have seen on the outside in the presentation? Or do you want to be known as a prayer warrior because of what you do secretly behind closed doors where no one knows what you're doing? Because you're constantly praying for the people you care about, for the things that are going on in the world, and God's working because you're doing it there and not doing it for the show. In which case, would you even be known as a prayer warrior? Because again, you're Mm -hmm. just doing it. And if you're praying for somebody and you see that prayer answered in their life, are you really going to go up to them? Hey, just want to let you know. That was me. <laughs> gotcha. I got you on that one, buddy. I got your back. You didn't yes. know. And I couldn't tell you beforehand. But now I, that it's happened. Is there a law of like a limitation to when you can tell someone you prayed for them? Like after it's happened, can you go up to them and be like, did that for you, buddy. All me. And do me a favor. Go and tell everyone else <laughs> that, man, Murdoch really prays and he'll make it happen. That's like funny. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just like, again, what are we seeking for versus just like, if you're praying for somebody and it's out of love. Your main concern is just seeing that person be elevated and needs met and all of this stuff that it's like, cool, that happened. I don't, they don't need to know. Nobody needs to know. Like, cool. Yeah. Not against prayer chains happening until more people get involved. And because I know that in our church, there's several situations like that to where a lot of us are aware and publicly sharing prayers. Again, not for the purpose of look at me and my prayers and my holiness. It's out of a love and a concern, you know, for God and for others. When you said babbling on it, I kind of, when I read this, for some odd reason, my brain put this together with uh, Elijah. And maybe because we're talking about it a lot with Pastor, like going over Elijah and stuff. But when they made the sacrifice, all the prophets of Baal, and they were just like for hours and hours, just kind of dancing and shouting out. Whipping and cutting themselves. Whipping and cutting themselves. Like that's what I thought of when it said babbling on, this shouting. uh, Because their motives and the intention and who they were talking to, just none of it was right. And they're shouting and they're shouting and they're shouting for hours and nothing happened. And they thought they could get their false God's attention by using all their words and shouting. And even Elijah was kind of like, maybe he's asleep. Talk louder. <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> one of the best fly- one of the best stories in the Bible is that one right there with Elijah just like mocking them. Yep, uh, I agree. And then, <laughs> it's fantastic. And then he comes and he just walks to the altar and says, God, so that the people would know who you are. And then the fire just comes down and it consumes everything. It wasn't many words. It wasn't done for a long time. It was precise and it was to the point. Because I, I, the only reason I'm bringing it up, because I want to define and separate babbling on in many words doesn't mean that you don't come to God every day and pray for a situation in your life. Um, that's not repetition. That's bringing before him every day something you're going through. But it's the, you're just saying things and why are you saying it? I, I got checked one time. We went to a conference and the guy was like, you know, I think it was Louis Gigolo. And he talked about, you know, praying before a meal. What's your prayer when you pray before a meal? And I was like thinking about it like, oh, okay. What I normally do is, uh, God, thank you for this food. Let it be blessing, nourishing to my body. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. That was a prayer I prayed for a meal for decades. Right. What did it mean? Did it mean anything anymore or was it just me? Bless this food to my body. We don't need to dissect that one right yeah. now, but just think about the words and it's yeah. interesting that like, what are you actually asking God? But yeah. But the, but why am I saying it? The, why am I praying this same prayer every time I eat? What does it mean? Make it nourishing to my body. I'm eating McDonald's. Like there's nothing nourishing that's going into my body. Like what am I, am I 
asking God to magically turn this cheeseburger into God something. God bless this mess. <laughs> that, <laughs> please, Lord, don't let this cheeseburger turn into fat. You know, like it, I, it's not, it never made sense. And it checked me really good on that because then I, my words were kind of the same thing here. Did they have meaning? Were they just words? Were they empty? Were I, were I, was I just babbling on and on about the same subject over and over again? Because it had no meaning. It was empty words. Um, and really making it mean something. Dude, that really rocked me. I, I, don't, I don't really think... When we eat as a family, we don't really pray for the meal anymore. Uh, because I was really rocked by that. Because I was like, I don't know. What am I going to pray for before dinner? Like, but it's just that idea that I didn't want to be that person who was just saying something just to say it. I know it's great is uh, Jacob, one of the Belong students. You know, he's kind of newer to the faith and all that stuff and hasn't been indoctrinated into bless this food to our body. (laughs) One time at a meal, we were out and I said, hey, Jacob, pray for the meal. He went into this whole prayer about righteousness and God's action in our lives and all this stuff. I was like, I've never heard anybody bring the word righteousness into a pre-meal prayer before. And I loved it. I was like, that is really cool. I also feel like how you're talking about praying for a really long time, right? I also don't think it's saying like, hey, only pray for short periods of time is like, yeah, you can pray for hours if there's that many things to pray Mm -hmm. for. But when you're saying you can just say, hey, God, like Elijah, do this so that the people would know. It's so much linked to faith. It's like we don't need to convince God with our words. We don't need to like corner him logically or make all of our promises or all the stuff or try and twist his arm behind his back he's like god i'm only coming out of faith you say that you're this type of god you say that i can pray these kinds of prayers i'm praying this prayer can you do it for your own namesake you know can you do it for this person out of love it doesn't require like building a three-point argumentative case before god to convince (laughs) him to really you know it's just and that's our in the bible the word prayer and faith like they're really close and they're interchangeable, like not interchangeable, but the way that they're used as a prayer of faith that right. you're coming. And it's like, are we praying because we trust that God can take action or because it has anything to do with our prayer? We don't have to filibuster God, right? Yeah. <laughs> we don't have to go there and just keep praying and praying, hoping he'll answer it at that moment. Yeah, I really liked all the stuff we were talking about. And to kind of just put a nice little bow on everything as we conclude here, Jesus mentions it in both giving to the needy and giving in our prayer life. Don't be like the hypocrites. And there's the warning at the beginning, watch out, be careful. And I really think what it comes down to is that he is sternly warning us, like, don't fall into hypocrisy. Don't let your motives change over the course of time to be about what you can do and what you're doing and what you're bringing. Because honestly, There's nothing that I've done to give myself salvation. That's everything about what he's done. And I understand that as a Christian. And what he's warning us is that you can flip that and start thinking you're working your way into salvation. You're doing all these things to save yourself. And he's warning us, don't fall into that trap. You'll just start doing things and it'll be duty. It won't be out of love. And I need you to remember to keep doing all of this stuff in love. Because when people see that, that's when they're going to know I'm real. When they see you doing it out of just yourself and your actions, that's when they say the church is filled with hypocrites. But when they see you doing it because you're just doing it out of love, that's when they turn and look and say, the church, that's the place I need to be. So I think that's it for this episode. Yeah, looking forward to next week because we're actually going to get into what we call the Lord's Prayer, right? So out of everything that that Jesus did, we actually have at a point the disciples coming up to Jesus and saying, teach us to pray. So Jesus' prayer life was on fire, and we get an example of it, and I can't wait for next week to get into that. Yeah, that should be fun. All right, I'm Chris. I'm Murdoch. We are your church friends. Thanks for listening.